If you would, you can turn in your Bibles this morning to Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And, and being a new year, uh, oftentimes we think about New Year's resolutions or, or newness or or um, New Year, New Me, all these different things. People make a lot of resolutions. And although I did see, you know, there's always this idea that the gyms will be full, right, after New Year's because everybody's resolution is they want to get in shape and get healthy. But I saw the assurance to the people that are regular gym goers that that, that won't start until the 3rd because no one's going to start working out on a, on a Saturday. Uh, so it won't be till January 3rd. But uh, this morning we're going to be looking at kind of a... An introduction or a prologue to a series we're going to be doing about where we are going in this new year as a church, where we're going to be heading as a church, as New Bethel, what God has in store for us. And if you saw the, the, the name of the sermon this morning, Pursuing God's Will, we're going to, that's what we're going to be doing, is we're going to be attempting to pursue God's will. What does it look like for New Bethel to pursue God's will, to be all that we can be, to follow Him as best we can? And everything that we do. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And we're going to be following and looking at the story of Joshua as they're beginning to pursue God's will. As they look to enter and go into the promised land that God has prepared for them and promised to them. Now some understandings and some things we need to think about before we look at this passage. And it's really important for any passage you read in the Old Testament. A few things to remember. that These passages are, are tellings of things that happened or God's interactions with people that are, are specific to a time and to a place. So we are not Joshua. We are not Moses. We are not the people of Israel. The Bible was not directly written for you or to you. Okay, So when we look at these things, we look at these, and, and especially in this passage, there are things that we look at and we look at them as promises, and they are promises to God's people. And so while they may not have directly been to us in that moment, we learn about God and who He is and, and how He interacts with His people. So what we learn about Him is true, and we can apply that to our life. And so we're going to look at this passage. We're going to see some, some examples of, of how we are going to follow God's will as we seek to follow Him and expand His kingdom in Evansville and into the world. So let's look at Joshua 1, 1 through Nine. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I'm giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness in Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites, in the west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you, just as I, am with, as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to, the fathers, to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. 
You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for this time we can gather together. And as we are looking at this idea of pursuing your will, God, I pray that you would help us to understand what it means to follow you, what it means to pursue after your will in all that we do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. So as we look at this passage, as we look at Joshua, we, we see very clearly where they are. Moses has died. Joshua is now taking his place as the leader of the people of Israel, and they are preparing to go and enter into the promised land. Now, the, the thing about this promised land is that it was an occupied territory. These were not empty places. There were cities that were built. There were people that were there. But God had given it to the Israelites. When we think about this idea of pursuing God's will, that's what Joshua is. It was God's will that they would have this land, that they would have this place. He says that he has already given it to them. He had promised it to their fathers. And so they are pursuing God's will by being faithful and obedient and entering into this land. And as we look at what it means to pursue God's will in our lives, we have to consider what that looks like. And I think that's often something that people question and they, they question and they think about and they, they are concerned about what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? And I think oftentimes we think about that as almost as though we wish we knew our, our fortune, that we could just open a fortune cookie and it would say, God's will, go do this. But really, God's will is very clear. It's very simple. It's to be obedient to Him in our daily lives, to follow Him each and every day. And if we do that, we will clearly see what to do as the times come. So as we pursue God's will as a church and in our individual lives, I think there's some things we can learn from this passage. As they're preparing to literally go to war, we're preparing to go into this land of people that do not know God, to, to share God's love with them, to live our lives as people who are, who, are, who are in a foreign land, the Bible tells us. We're in a foreign land. This land is not our home. To go into a lost world and share the gospel. How do we do that? How do we be the church God calls us to be? There's some principles we can see here. Well, the first thing we see is there needs to be an awareness of the past. We need to have an awareness of the past if we want to follow God and to see what God is calling us to do. The first two verses in Joshua are a direct call to what has occurred and God holding to what he had told Moses. So we see that the very first thing is it talks about the death of Moses. After the death of Moses, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, and says, Now he's dead. Moses, is my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross the Jordan to the land I'm giving the Israelites. Why is it now the time? Why does why the fact that Moses has died, why is this the point when people are going to go into the promised land? If we look and see what has happened in the past, when, when all, of the, all of the Israelites, through their, their deliverance and the exodus from Egypt, the ways they were unfaithful to God, and finally, the thing that finally did it was when the twelve spies went into the land that they were to inherit, and they came back and told them it was a land full of milk and honey with fortified cities. But ten of the twelve said, we, we can't inherit it. It's, they're too great. They're too powerful. There's no way. We should not go. But two were faithful. 
Joshua and Caleb, two of the spies, came back and said, God has given this land to us and we should be faithful. We should pursue it. We should go forward into this place. The reality is, is the reason that, that, jo- that Moses and that generation did not inherit this promised land is because they refused to believe and refused to follow God. They refused to be obedient. Not, not Moses in particular himself, but because he advocated so strongly for the people, because he disobeyed him in his, in his own ways at different times, there were mistakes where the people were not obedient to God. They did not follow God. They were not believing in what God would do. And God's punishment was that they would not inherit this land, that it would be for the generations after them to inherit. So an awareness of this past helps the people of God to remember what He has done and what He can do again. Because another thing that we see often talked about in, in this passage and in the times before is how God has done these things before. God has delivered the people before. God has done incredible things. When we remember the past... We remember what God has done and what He can, can, can do and what He will certainly do again. This is why we take the Lord's Supper. We take the Lord's Supper to remember what God has done. So an awareness of the past, awareness of what God has done for us, will help us to remember what He will do for us in the future. We remember our dependence upon Him. We remember what He has done for us. It keeps us grounded into where we are now and how we got here. The salvation that we enjoy is only because of what Christ has done for us. And we have to remember that or we will become conceited. We will become self-righteous. In the same way, Joshua and these people must remember what God had done for them, delivering them from Egypt, how he had been the one that delivered them. And that will prompt them to have the courage and the strength to go into this land because God is the one who will give it over to them. When we have this proper perspective, it helps us to be focused on the right things. We remember God's faithfulness. We remember God's deliverance. But we also remember God's wrath. An awareness of the past helps us to be aware of the, the mistakes of people before us and how we can, can, how we can keep from repeating them. Joshua and this generation need to be aware of the previous, what the previous generation did wrong. You see, what we see in Joshua in this passage is almost the same things we see that have already been said to the people of Israel. Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 19 says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give to you a land with large and beautiful cities that you did not build, houses full of every good thing that you did not fill them with, cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you eat and are satisfied, be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, worship Him, and take your oaths in His name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the Lord your God will become angry with you and obliterate you from the face of the earth. Do not test the Lord your God as you tested Him at at Massa. Carefully observe the commands of the Lord your God, the decrees and statutes He has commanded you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that you may prosper and so that you may enter and possess the good land the Lord your God swore to give your ancestors by driving out all your enemies before you, as the Lord has said. God told the people what they needed to do. He told them, follow me. Remember what I told you. Remember what I did. 
follow my word, be obedient, and you will have this thing that I'm promising. You will have this promised land that I'm promising you. He said this in Deuteronomy. He said this as they are, are following. This is right after he gives them the commandment, the greatest commandment, which we'll look at later, to love God, to remember these things. They were given the command to follow, to be faithful, the promise of inheritance. However, they did not receive the inheritance because they did not follow faithfully. They did not follow in what God had told them to do. They were disobedient. They were, they were so concerned with what they wanted, what they didn't have, that they didn't follow faithfully. When we look at 2,000 years of Christians before us, we must ask ourselves, what did they do right? What did the people of, of God, the people that have followed, the people who have faithfully held the name of Christian, what did they do right? What should we do to emulate and try to reproduce? And what did they do wrong? What should we be sure to avoid? I don't know about you, but there, there are many things that you may encounter on a daily basis that seem to have warning labels that, that don't make much sense that they have a warning label on them. Um, I know that, for example, I was, I was looking at a, a, a thing, a hand sanitizer, and it said for, for external use only, don't drink it. Uh, there are, are all sorts of labels that, that bear the realization that somebody must have done the thing that's on the warning label. Like you eat a bag of beef jerky, and at the bottom there's a little packet that says, Do not eat, not food. That means somebody ate that. We should learn from their mistakes. When we look at the people that came before us, we look at Christians who came before us, we should learn from their mistakes. We learn about the things that they did, what they did wrong. We learn about what they did right. We have people that we, we look to and we think about the ways they serve God faithfully, but what is it that they did that helped them faithfully serve God. We look at the work of people like Billy Graham or people that we, we think of, man, they were such a, a person that followed God, that loved God, but why? What did they do and how can we do the things they did? How can we be like those who have been faithful? And how can we avoid the things that people did that were unfaithful to God? As we move further into this passage, we see the next thing we must do in pursuing God's will, which is a commitment to God's Word. We should have a commitment to God's Word. Verses 7 and 8 have a commandment that shows exactly how to, fall, to avoid the pitfalls of the previous generation. Verse 7 and 8, Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, so that you, might, that you will have good success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful, that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. We are called to carefully follow the whole instruction that God gave to us. Again, in Joshua 1.8, it's so important that he says this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. We should always be speaking it, always be talking about it. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. This harkens back to Deuteronomy 6, which is right before the passage I shared with you earlier in Deuteronomy 6. 4 through 9 says, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. 
Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. And we see the same truth echoed in the New Testament. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. If we want to see God's will done, we must be careful to make sure to pay attention to the instructions that He has plainly given us. If we want to know what it means to do God's will, to pursue God's will, to live His will for our life, it is so simple. It is not complicated to follow God faithfully. It is so very simple. It is to, to love God with all that we are, to look at His words, to look what He commands us to do, and to faithfully follow Him. To not to turn to the right or to the left, but to faithfully follow God. This does not mean that we will have an answer to every situation, but it does mean we have instructions for how to live. And, that, and that's the reality, is if we look at how we are to interact with people around us, we look for how we are to interact with the world around us, God's Word gives us a very clear instruction for how to live our lives. It tells us the things to avoid. It tells us the things that we are sure to be doing, the good things we should do, and the bad things we are to avoid. Now, this does not mean that, that following God is all about following rules, but if we, want, if we love God, we've been saved by Him, we remember what He's done for us, we should want to live faithfully. We should want to live a life that is glorifying to Him and honoring Him in everything that we do. Right? There are, one of the biggest things that, that people have, have written books about are how to be faithful to your spouse, how to, how to be a good husband, a better wife, a better husband. And, and people write these things and they, they do these things because everybody wants to know. How do you love someone better? How do you do these things? They look for instructions because it's not always easily apparent on how to better love somebody. Because oftentimes we're selfish. We think about ourselves. We don't think about other people. The great benefit that we've been given is that if we do love God and we want to know how to follow Him, the instructions for how to do so have been given to, him by a, given to us by Him. God has given us the instructions for how to follow Him, how to love Him. And we must do this if we want to follow Him. If we want to pursue His will, we can't make up our own rules. We can't decide how we want to do it. The truth of God matters. What God says is right matters. What God says is wrong matters. And if we want to be called by His name, we want to be His people, we must be faithful in following them. Now, that doesn't mean we will always know exactly how to interact in every circumstance. But if we follow and obey God, there are, are two things that we will, we will see that will happen. Obeying God and, and obeying His Word, faithfully following His Word, will make us into the people that God will use for His glory. God will take who we were... And through obedience to Him, through this, this process of sanctification, of, of following His Word, He will make us into the people that He will use for His glory. He will take people that, and you've heard these stories, people who were addicts, people who were in, in far places, deep depression, dark places. And through His work, through His grace, through His goodness, makes them into people that glorify Him. And that's every person's story. 
That if you are a Christian this morning, that you are a person that was far off, that has been redeemed and made right with God. And through His Word, He will continue to make you into a person that He will use for His glory. And also, when we look at His Word, when we look at what He tells us to do, when we look at what He commands us to do, it will help us to become in tune with the heart of God. When we are committed to God's Word, we are committed to what He has commanded us, we see what He has done, what He is concerned with, we will then be concerned with those same things. One of the things I think that gets very dangerous about following God and being a Christian is that if, if we maintain our thoughts and our emotions, and we begin to try to interact with this world around us, it becomes very easy to pick and choose how God's grace is applied in this world and how we interact with the world around us. You know, this morning in, in Sunday school, we, uh, we, we talked about the idea of Hosea and how he married the prostitute who, who kept, continued to go back to her old ways, but God told him to be faithful and to continue to, to bring her back. When we look at God's Word, we come to understand that in that story, we are the, the prostitute, the one that's unfaithful constantly. We understand that we are the one that needs to be rescued. And when we are committed to God's Word and we are committed to this, we get a, a better view of who we are, and then we are able to see the people we interact with the way that God sees them. We don't look and cast judgment from our, our pedestal because we realize that we are low. We are the lowest, the, 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 the most vile of sinners because that is what an understanding of God's Word will help us to know, is that we are people that need God's grace more than anyone else. And when we have that understanding, we are able to see others through His eyes. We are able to apply His love the way that He has loved us because we understand the way that we have been loved. Obeying God and following Him faithfully will not be easy because next we see a need for a resolution to be strong and courageous. There's a, there's a need for a resolution to be strong and courageous. There, the exhortation to be strong and courageous is found three times in this passage. And it's coupled with the promise that God is with His people. And I think with this comes an understanding that the road will be difficult. These men and this people of Israel are about to go to war to enter the promised land. There will be difficulty that comes. People are not going to immediately welcome you and, and be open to the idea of the gospel. They're not going to welcome the idea that there are things that you believe and hold to that do not line up with the way they believe and the things they hold to. When you encounter someone and you are trying to share the good news of Christ with them, but the, then you point to the sin in their life, they're not going to enjoy that. The road will be difficult, and there will be those who are hostile to the gospel. And there will be people who try to deceive. Very early in the church, they dealt with this problem of people trying to deceive the believers. In Colossians 2, 4-8, we see Paul's uh, response to a heresy that was arising. I'm saying this that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable. For I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well-ordered you are in the strength of your faith in Christ. So then, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in Him, 
being rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world, rather than Christ. So not only will there be difficulty that we'll face, that there will be people coming against us and that people will be, uh, have hostile reactions to the gospel, but there will be people who will try to deceive people. There will be people who will try to deceive Christians, to lead them astray. I think there's a reason in the early church, the earliest part of the church, one of the things that they had to do was develop creeds so that people would know what the truth was. Because back then, people couldn't read, and, and Scripture wasn't widely available. And people would, would make up teaching, would come up with false teaching. It was so prevalent, and people would be deceived and fall and follow these false teachings. And there were, had to be creeds that said, this is what we believe. This is the truth of what we believe. And we have the gospel. We have God's Word, the Bible that we can read. And we have this benefit of having it in various translations, easy to understand, very faithful to the text. And there are people who will try to deceive. And the unfortunate thing is there are people who are succeeding at that. There are so many false gospels that are being presented in the world around us. There are false religions. There are, are false religions that are out there, but even within Though people who would call themselves Christians, there are false teachings that are out there. They make us the center of it rather than God. They focus on the things we want to do and they, they take things that God calls sinful and say that they're okay. They take the, the pursuit of God and replace it with pursuit of worldly things. There are so many ways that people try to deceive. But God tells us to be courageous. To be strong and courageous. There is truth to be known about God. And the reality we have to understand too, this is very important, that each of us likely have places where we are incorrect in our understanding. Every person in this room probably has things about God that we fail to understand or comprehend fully. And that's why there's so many denominations in this world, because people disagree on different aspects of God, and, and not all of those disagreements are, are major in the sense of, of, of heresy or departing from the faith. But what we must do is have a commitment to God's Word and to pursue them and to be as faithful as we can to follow Him, because when we do that, it gives us the strength to be courageous. Because this comes with the understanding that the challenge can be overcome. Joshua 1.5, we see the promise, No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. I believe this is echoed in Christ's command to His disciples going into the world with the gospel. Matthew 28.18-20, Jesus came near to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we see in Joshua this preparation of Joshua and the people of Israel to enter into the promised land, to re re receive the promise that they've been given. And he says, I'm with you. I won't leave you. I won't abandon you. And then we see Christ sending the disciples 
into the world to share the gospel, to proclaim the good news, to proclaim the, the fulfillment of this promise that was to Abraham, a blessing of all nations through Christ. He says, I am with you always to the end of the age. We are called to be strong, to be courageous, to, to not back down from difficulty that may come. And it will come. It'll come in, the, in just the idea that we want comfort, we want simplicity, we, want, we don't want to do the hard things, we don't want to be obedient. And it'll come when we are obedient. Through following and those who come against and those who seek to deceive and undo what we are trying to faithfully do in following God. But we know that ultimately there will be victory that will be worth it. There will be victory. And we understand that there will be a realization of God's promise. There will be a realization of God's promise. For these people that were entering into and dwelling in the promised land, they were, they were promised with a land with cities they didn't build and all of these many resources, a land flowing with milk and honey. For us, we see the promise of faithful ministry, being faithful to God in a world that is not. We see the, the promise of salvations. We see in, in, in Acts how people came to believe, and no doubt in your life you've seen the joy of salvation. You've seen people baptized who've, who've turned from a life of sin to follow Christ. The joy that is there. And there's the promise of eternal reward. I think all of this is captured as Paul speaking to Timothy, telling him of the dark days that would come and the award that awaits. In 2 Timothy 4, 1-8 we see, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus who is going to judge the living and the dead. And because of His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I'm already being poured, poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. I believe very firmly this is where we find ourselves. We find ourselves in a day where there are people who will not tolerate sound teaching, who will fill their mind, fill their ears with the teaching of things that sound good to them. You know how easy it is to find somebody that, that is extremely intelligent, has a following, that agrees with what you want to hear? It's not very hard. Go, go to Google, type in what you want to hear, and you'll find somebody that will present that view. You can find people for or against whatever topic you want. But what we find ourselves with is, I believe, the same challenge that, that Paul gives to Timothy. Preach the Word. Be prepared. In season, out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and teaching. 
He talks about this difficult world they live in, this world we live in. If you walk out of here, you'll be bombarded with all sorts of ways to sin, all sorts of ways to not follow God, all sorts of ways to be disobedient. For people have turned away from hearing truth and will turn, have turned aside to myths. But he says, as for you, exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. He's talking to someone at the beginning of their ministry, at the beginning of their opportunity to go into the world and to follow God. But we see what happens at the end of a life well lived. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who have loved His appearing. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. At the end of my life, I want to be able to say those words. And I don't think they're just a platitude that we can say at the end of the life of a Christian. Because I don't know that every Christian lives into that. I think there are many people who claim the name Christ, who, who have believed in Him and have hoped in Him, and, and we should pray that it was genuine, that lived a life that was anything other than obedient to God and anything other than proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be me. I don't want the, the, the story of, of, of my life, the story of your life, the story of this church to be people who just gathered together to talk about Christ a little bit and then lived our life comfortably until we died. Because Paul is excited and he is excited for this crown of righteousness because he lived his life for something that mattered. We should be living our life for something that mattered. And Joshua got to see that day. In his day, he got to see the reward of, of the Lord in his day because he was faithful. The people were obedient. They were faithful to God. They, they believed in what would happen. They, they followed him. They pursued his will. Moses dealt with the people who were not faithful. They grumbled. They complained. They were constantly distracted, looking at what had happened before and wishing that it could be like that. And we see an example of, of what we should do and what we should not do. We should follow God faithfully. And I believe that, that we are essentially like Joshua preparing for war. If we want to follow God, if we want to, to be obedient to His will, there will be spiritual warfare that will come against us. There will be attacks in all sorts and all forms that we must be prepared for. But at the end of it all, there is a crown of righteousness waiting for all who have loved His appearing. That's what Paul says. The crown of righteousness that the, the, the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that, day, on that day. But not only to me, but to all who have loved His appearing. Because He fought the good fight. He finished the race. He kept the faith. Not that His salvation was found in those things. But when he looked at his life, he could say, I lived my life for Christ the best I could. Everything I did was the best I could do. I gave everything I had to the Lord. 
The thing that we, that we come to is that while we are still breathing, while we have life on this earth, we have the opportunity to live a life that matters, to live a life that counts. And the last thing we would want to do on, on our, our deathbed as we're preparing to be before the righteous judge is to look back at our life and realize, I wasted it. I wasted the entire thing. I pursued things that didn't matter. Because all of the things we accumulate, all of the experiences we have here will not matter in eternity. All that will matter is what we've done. It'll matter how we've shared the gospel, how we've loved others. So as a church, what are we going to do to live a life like this? To be people that, a church that is filled with people that are, are fighting the good fight, who are running the race, who have kept the faith. We're going to be looking at that over the next several weeks. But what I want to challenge you with is we're about to have a time of invitation. Where are you in your life? Are you living a life that at the end of it you can genuinely say that you have fought the good fight, you've finished the race, you've kept the faith? Your salvation, if you have believed in Jesus, is secure. You do not have to worry about whether you have been forgiven for your sins. Nothing you do or don't do is going to jeopardize that or enhance that. It's not going to make God love you less or make God love you more. It's about living a life that matters. It's about living a life that shares the gospel with others because there are people that are dying every day who do not know Jesus. And I think as we look around, and I know one of the, the things that's occurring right now is there's a, a greater spread of, of coronavirus currently. If anything, that should motivate us more because people are dying more and more every day who don't know Jesus. So as we come to this time of invitation... Are you fighting the good fight? Are you running the race? Are you keeping the faith? Are you pursuing the crown of righteousness or something else? This morning, do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Him? Because the only thing that matters, the only thing that can, can redeem you, the only thing that can save you from the life of sin that you're, you're living is Jesus and what He did on the cross. Giving your life to Him. Don't wait. So are you pursuing God's will in your life? Or are you pursuing something else? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this day that You've given us, this time we can come together and look at Your Word. And God, I pray that You would help us to pursue Your will with our lives to lay aside anything that distracts, to, to only understand that following You is what matters. That there is a victory that awaits and, and we should live our life pursuing and doing everything we can to contribute to the spread of the Gospel in this world. God, I pray You would convict us of that. Show us how we can do this better in our lives. Show us how we can follow You more faithfully. Help us to be of one heart and one mind in tune with Your will. Pursuing it as a church. And God, I pray that if there's any who don't know You this morning, that today would be the day they would, they would repent and believe and turn to You as their Savior, Lord, to, to follow You. 
For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.